This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. And the former Flame will backhand it down the ice. Five seconds left. They give the puck away. Marner shoots and misses the empty net again. But time runs out on the Flames here at Scotiabank Saddledome. As they lose what was a back and forth battle with the Maple Leafs. Toronto snapping a season-long four-game losing streak. And in turn, Calgary season-long four-game winning streak. As the Maple Leafs battle back for a hard-fought 4-3 win. Well, one narrative wasn't going to survive last night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Either the Flames weren't going to be able to pull off a third-period comeback, or the Maple Leafs were finally going to be able to hold on to a third-period lead. And thanks in large part to three goals and four points on the night from Austin Matthews, the Toronto Maple Leafs used a dominant second period and a shutdown third to get past the Calgary Flames. 4-3 Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome, handing the Flames their first loss in four games and their first on this six-game homestand. Welcome in to Sportsnet today, a, third, a Friday edition, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. It's Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you. J-Mac, how are we? Things are good. Things are good. I, I heard you said Thursday. It's almost like you don't want the weekend to I show do up. want the weekend. I'm ready for the weekend. Me too, uh, Especially because it's going to be a great weekend. The Battle of Alberta returns for the first time in a long time to the Scotiabank Saddledome. And the Flames will look to start a new winning streak of their own and in turn end the franchise long winning streak for the Edmonton Oilers who, after defeating the Seattle Kraken on Thursday night, now coming to Calgary on a 12-game winning streak of their own. Lots to get to on the program today. It's a busy one. We will break down the Leafs and the Flames. An off day for Calgary today as they get set to welcome in the Oilers on Saturday. But we'll reflect on last night's loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Saturday is also Hockey Day in Canada. The 24th edition of Hockey Day in Canada. All seven Canadian teams in action. PWHL action starts the afternoon off. And a longtime member of the Canadian national team is uh, joining the Sportsnet crew out in Victoria, B.C. for Hockey Day in Canada. And that is Cassie Campbell Pascal. She'll join us later this hour to talk about Hockey Day in Canada and her new role going forward with the PWHL. So excited to talk with Cassie. Matt Marchese is going to join us from the fan checkdown. He's set for all four matchups in the NFL playoffs this weekend. And Mark Spector, senior columnist for Sportsnet.ca, will join us as well to get a look at the Oilers during this 12-game winning streak. Uh, quick reminder, fan feedback line always open to you here on the program, 960-960. Feel free to shoot us a text. We'd love to hear from you on this Friday. Our outstanding producers this hour are Cam and Sham. Julian, let's dive into it. 4-3, the final score last night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Austin Matthews scores goals 35, 36, and 37 on his season to help the Leafs use a dominant second period to down the Flames. Uh, no third period comeback in the Flames this time. And as we've talked about, yeah, it's fun to have those third period comebacks, but 
there's going to be nights like Thursday night at the Saddle Dome where you're just not going to be able to come back against every single team. No, and this was just a situation where uh, the Calgary Flames, as hard as they, they tried to work, I know Rasmus Anderson didn't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but this is a team that worked as hard as they could have, but ultimately lost to a team whose top flight talent is better than theirs. I mean, watching the Flames try to defend a four-on-three with players like Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner on the ice, it's basically like throwing someone in a shark tank and watching them flail around and hope that they don't get bit. Inevitably, they get bit. And for a team like the Flames that made the mistakes that they made, they between Ryan Huska and some of the players, a lot of mentioning of the fact that they made turnovers in the neutral zone and, and some of the other mistakes throughout the game. In the third period in particular, I thought that especially late in the game, they were trying so hard to just maintain offensive zone possessions and they tried to do the chip and chase, but the but the Leafs were so good at getting those pucks, clearing zones out, and ultimately the Flames didn't have much of a presence in that late third period to establish stuff. And again, a big reason why they were chasing that game is because of that talent up front. Guys like Austin Matthews watching that hat trick go down. Like, I mean, we don't have to go over how special of a player he is, but the fact that he essentially matched up against the Calgary Flames on his own. He had as many goals as the Flames did yesterday. Like, yeah, those are the, t- like the, fl- say what you want about the Leafs. They are where they are. They could still miss the playoffs depending on how things go. And that ended a losing streak for them, but they have talent up front. And when the talent up front plays as well as they did, there are a lot of teams that end up losing. And it's interesting because the first period, I think the Flames were easily the better team. But the Leafs continued throughout the game, in my view at least, to be the more opportunistic team. And that's what happens when you have a Mitch Marner or William Nylander, uh, of course, an Austin Matthews, is that you only need little opportunities and they can change the game like that. And the game really did swing into the third period. And I have to give Toronto credit because, look, the narrative heading into this game, Julian, was they can't hold the lead into the third. That's been what's costing them. There's, you know, and the Flames have been the exact opposite. They've been comfortable heading into the third period down a goal, down two goals, and had every reason to feel good about themselves. Per our friends at Natural Statric, the Leafs dominated the third period. Yep. High danger chances for were 9 nothing for the Leafs in the third period. That was a team that knew they couldn't go another game with another blown lead and they didn't. They were the better team when they needed to be, and that's why they took the two points last night. Do you put an asterisk on that, knowing that if that Connors area goal counts, maybe we're talking about a different third period? I thought while the Flames probably could have played a better third period, getting that Connors area goal, if that stood, that probably changes the complexities of the game. When the Flames were, were, were down 3-2 in the second period, well, yes, they made mistakes, but there are instances where the Toronto Maple Leafs were sitting back. And look, the, the Flames were doing everything they can to get back in that game. And for that goal to not count, I, look, I'm all for rules being followed. I'm all for the replay system and getting things right. But the fact that that got called, the hand pass off of Blake Coleman, yes, the puck does stay in the zone. I guess it does impact the play in that sense. But what a small, small thing to focus on 
and ultimately change the trajectory of the game. And look, the Flames had their chances too. Timothy Lilligren uh, took a penalty for 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 closing Col- the hand, closing the hand on, on the puck. The, puck. Yep. They, the Flames had their chances too after that to tie it and get it back, and they just didn't capitalize. But I mean, for that to happen and and take away Connor Zeri's goal, that would have been his tenth of the year. I think some wind kind of got out of their sails after that, and and, and it, rules are rules, and it was the right call in the end. But wow, that just it it did kind of take away from the game a little bit, which we all thought was going to be a good third period. Yeah, it it's tough. I I do think the game looks different if that Zeri goal is allowed, but I will say as and as I'll bring it up again: nine nothing being as big of a swing as it was in that third period. I don't know that it changes the outcome enough. In my mind, the Leafs were just so clearly the better team. If it was more like the second period, where it was they a were little so bit clearly more... the better team the whole game, though. No, no, in the third period, right? First period, Calgary was the better team. I think the second period was the most equal, despite Toronto. Nah, no, I still lean towards Toronto in okay. the second, but I, I still didn't think Calgary had much in the third. Well, I think a lot of that, a lot of why Toronto looks so good in the second is because Calgary just the mistakes that they made. If they played, if they played like what they played in the first period, it's a completely different game. But of course, if ifs and buts were cookies and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas, right? It's true. Now, as far as the conversation on the the hand pass, I I agree with you. And after watching it and reading the rule and hearing from the NHL, yes, by definition the correct call was made. Yes. Do I think that is what the spirit of the rule is and what they're intending to stop with a quote-unquote hand pass? No. I don't think that encompasses what a hand pass is in the eyes of the NHL. But I also understand that wording means something Mm -hmm. and that following the letter of the law is what NHL officials are supposed to do on the ice and at the war room. That is the, the law that they run by, right? That's their, and they have to call it like that. And I, and I give credit to the Toronto Maple Leafs for identifying the situation and taking the timeout and ultimately calling it might've gone by for half of the teams in the league, Julian, and not even thought twice. Just like, Oh, well just glanced off his glove. That's not a, that's not a hand pass. Somebody in the Toronto video team clearly was well aware of what the ruling was. I know a lot of Leafs fans were very relieved at that happening. And I know this. If all of us had the power to be coaches or work on a coaching staff and we knew that opportunity came, what was there for us to take a timeout and make what and do what the Leafs did, I think we'd all do it. Yep. We all would. Yeah, and see, and that again, it, it, it's unfortunate that the conversation has to be how do we change it to, to make it better suited for everybody. And, you know, maybe it's a a case of like the NFL, you can't use a timeout before a challenge. And maybe that's the conversation. We can't change that last night. So it, it doesn't matter in a sense, but does it mean that there isn't a conversation worth having? Is there um, a world where we can clear it up and see if that's actually how the NHL intends to enforce that rule. Sure. I think it's something that Craig Conroy or or whoever for the flames would bring up in uh, a board of governors meetings or whatever, you know, when the GMs get together and and talk about those sort of things, I can see it being a future topic that doesn't help the flames last night. No, 
but it, that's just sort of the reality that you live in. And look, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs were on the other side of a review as well. I mean, the Manjapani uh, goal winds up being a, a, a kick pass that's stopped by Timothy Lilligren. And I'm sure if you're a Toronto fan, you're probably saying, does that really constitute possession change for Lilligren touching the puck there? I, I think it does. And again, but that's the, the letter of the law and you're kind of forced to live with that. Yeah, it, rules are rules. One other thing I want to bring up, though, on the the hand pass, there were a lot of people, a lot of Flames fans I saw tried to equate it, and, and you're going to have to help me a little bit here. I think it happened last year where a Philip Forsberg hand pass from behind the net. It was a game between the Flames and the Nashville Predators. Philip Forsberg has the puck from behind the net, and he kind of bats it with his hand. It goes above Jacob Markstrom. It lands in the crease. Then the puck gets kind of kicked out. Uh, from the crease, and then it leads to a Predators goal. A lot of fans I saw kind of equate that play to what happened yesterday. The biggest difference from that play to what happened yesterday is Mackenzie Wieger is the first player to swipe that puck out of that crease before it gets to a point where the Predators score. And I'm just saying people should be a little careful with the interpretation of that rule. Uh, They did get it right with Blake Coleman. I think we're allowed to not like it, though. Right, And I can imagine why Flames fans would look at, at the past and be like, hey, again, we're getting jobbed on another one of these calls. How come it applies for other people? It doesn't apply for other people, but it applies to us. I can understand that. But for people who are continuing to argue this today, uh, as we are, we're not really arguing it. I think we understand what happened here. Yeah, I but think for we're people just who, dissecting it. Yeah, but I think for people who are going to argue it, they should know that. The Forsberg one, and I think why it frustrates so many people is, it's so much more intentional. Yes, it's more than blatant. The Coleman one. It's so much more blatant. The, the one-off Coleman, like, like the way the puck flies in the game, like it's almost impossible that you're going to go through a game where the ball, the puck doesn't come off of you in some way. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I see blatant intent from Blake Coleman to deliberately swipe it off his hand and 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 keep it in. I mean, it it clearly it it does hit him, and because it hits that impact, just it. It's sort of the trajectory of it changes. It maybe it slows up so that way the puck stays in zone, which again it's the letter of the law. But like, man, it's such a tough. It's tough because it, it's not blatant. It's no, not and, and deliberate. In, and in the sense of it, if you want to go back to the Forsberg one, I mean, regardless of who touched it next, wouldn't you just say you intended to pass the puck? He's damn near playing patty op- cake with the puck. Yeah, you like, you like, intended to pass the puck to an opportunistic zone for your player. I don't care that a Calgary player touched it, but you that's a still clean- made a hand pass with yeah. it, right? It just it, it hit somebody else first, and the intent is is to me the more egregious of the errors. But again, when there's you know gray area to a rule. And they're just trying to make it as black and white as possible. They have to just go off of the letter of the law and, and you know, how you could. And it's, it's always going to be an issue in sport, right? There's just so many different ways that things happen at those speeds. I don't think the rules are ever going to be perfect. And uh, sometimes you're going to suffer from it and sometimes you'll benefit from it. Yeah. But I think last night was a good example of, hey, maybe we can find a way to improve upon this so we're not in that situation going forward for other teams because uh, you're right to me it's the hand pass is all about intent 
Like, to me, if you're intentionally moving the puck with your hand, that's what I would deem a hand pass. Yes. Right? Whereas you said, and I think rightfully so, contact with a hand doesn't necessitate a hand pass. It's not like a deliberate action. No. So I don't, I don't know how you can expect an NHL. I mean, every time a guy touches it with his glove... Technically, a hand pass. That I don't know. I, I don't. I don't right? know. Like, I, I, so. I, in any case, you know, again, the Flames had opportunities after the fact to tie the game. Come yeah, back and they and were right. It. By the Rass was right, and Huska was right that that didn't right. change the game. They were right to. They were right to say that. But ultimately, we are going to look at that play. I wouldn't say for a long time, but at least in the in the confines of the uh, the game and the day after, we're going to look at this. And and the bigger theme of this. To go back to, I think, what we were initially getting at, too, this team still had to battle and work their butt off to try to match up against a front-loaded team, which has come down on some tougher times, skidding a little bit, but that took the lot out of them to try to fight against an Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, William Nylander-led team. William Nylander, we were talking about yesterday, he had no points, I think, since he signed that extension. He got yep. at least two assists on, 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 on Matthews' goals, like... They have talent up and down. They have talent at the top part of their lineup. They just need to find a way to plug in those holes. It's just the the Flames just weren't able to to get that goal when they needed it. And now they enter this Edmonton game on the weekend where it seems like the Oilers are a little bit built a little better right now than what the Toronto Maple Leafs look like, but they're red hot. That win streak could go to 13. Could you imagine the Flames being that team to end that winning streak? But also, could you imagine another game where the Flames are going to have to match up against elite talent and come up short. What does that do for people who looked at this team in the four-game winning streak and said, hey, maybe they're turning a corner? What does that do for the people who have been banging the drum all along saying, hey, uh, this team should retool, should rebuild? I, I think if they lose that game to Edmonton now, you bring up, you put together a lot of ammo for people who are very much in the tear-it-down, go-scorched-earth side of things saying, hey, look at how they played against Toronto. Look at how they played against Edmonton. Look at the talent that beat them. And yeah, that the, the discourse changes. It's so weird with this team where they do as much as they can to build themselves up. And then one mistake or one gust of wind blows their blows their chances down. We said that I said it last night with Pat on the, the Flames pregame, Flames Dark pregame show. Mm-hmm. The reason why in my mind, the three-point NHL is so hard to climb out of because any small mistake, a two-game losing streak, and all of a sudden all that work that you put in during that four-game winning streak can go for naught. And and it's it's hard to say that because, yeah, you can lose to the Leafs and the Oilers back-to-back and no one would bat an eye, but the all the work that you put in before that can disappear so quickly the way that they hand out points and the way that everything's so tight. And uh, you and me were talking before the show and sitting here going, all of a sudden that St. Louis game, I know we're not talking about it yet, but think about St. Louis next Tuesday and where they are with games in hand on the Flames and the fact that they're only three points. Like, I mean, talking next Tuesday could be as big of a game as any of the Flames have played this year. That's just sort of the reality that you live in and it's why coming back from a bad start or being stuck in this race with teams up and down 
the the wild card standings gets to be so difficult for teams like the Flames. Like right now, the Flames are three points out of a wild card spot. They have to fight off Nashville, the Los Angeles Kings, who yes, they've only won one game in their last ten, but they've they find themselves in the middle of this now. The Kraken, they've lost three in a row. Uh, the Coyotes, who they beat earlier this week, the Blues. There's a lot of teams that the Flames are surrounded by right now that are losing. Actually, you know what? I think all of these teams who have a fighting chance at a wild card spot, not named the Nashville Predators, have lost at least a game or two or three in a row. The time for the Flames to kind of go on a run and 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 find themselves where the Edmonton Oilers are at right now, which is four points up and in a wild card spot. Now's the time to do it. Now's the time to show everyone that you have a chance at being this team that can make the playoffs if that's what you want to do. I know some people will 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 look at the roster and say, hey, you know what? We This team should still sell assets. I don't know if I necessarily disagree with those people, but there are definitely people who look at who look at that argument and say, hey, you know what? I don't think this team should sell assets. This team could be good enough. They need to show that now. Like, okay, the four-game winning streak is over. You have Edmonton. You got to deal with them. You have St. Louis next week. You have Columbus next week. You have Chicago after that. You need to enter the all-star break with some kind of set of wins. I don't know how people are going to feel about this team if they lose to Columbus and Chicago again. Could you imagine if they lose to Chicago again? No. Anyway. <laughs> I don't even want to talk. <laughs> anyway. No, but, uh, like, but no, seriously. I get, I get, like, no, I get it. I get it. I just, I I understand. It's It can change so fast. Yeah. It really can. And it's going to be. It's going to be like this for a while, I think, here, um, because I don't think this team's going anywhere. But at the same point, even on good nights, if you can lose hockey games or teams can gain ground on you or both teams can walk away with points on the out-of-town scoreboard and you sit there and go, this is this is why it's so damn hard to make any ground up on teams. Man. Uh, let's get to the text line, Julian, at uh, 960-960. We got lots there uh, on our initial thoughts from the Leafs game and, of course, lots on that. Uh, disallowed goal from Connor Zary thanks to a uh, missed stoppage in play for a hand pass on Blake Coleman. We're going to start with this one, though. Uh, this text came in and said, wondering about the kick goal uh, last night. I understand that a player's stick made contact after the kick, and that's why it counted. What I'm wondering about is the kick itself. Uh, he kind of maybe kicked it with the left foot, then it bounced off the right toe with no kicking motion. How would the rules be applied if it had gone straight in off the toe? I My understanding that is that it would have count. It would not have counted had it gone off of Manjapani's toe and straight into the goal. Is it because of the 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 fact that there was just a kicking motion at all? Yes, because that's it, right? Because I thought about that too. We were all up in the press box looking at the play, and I'm thinking, okay, Manjapani kicks it clearly but the puck goes off his, his other skate that doesn't move. Yeah. So I wondered like, Oh, okay. Does that, does that impact it? But if it goes, but if the fact that it goes off a stick before it goes in, okay, that basically you, you don't get to think about that yeah. anymore. Or should yeah. you, you don't get to think about it. Like that's just rendered moot. But yeah, I was wondering if that puck had gone straight in off of Manja's skate, does that count? And now we have our answer. Yeah. My understanding is it would not have counted. So uh, this text comes in is a great point. Uh, if Bax didn't hit the post, you're talking about a 3 nothing lead for yep. the Calgary Flames. We, we brought that. That was brought up yesterday. The Flames had their chances throughout this game uh, to put the Leafs away. And that Backlund chance off the post, you bury the Leafs at three. They were listless in that first period. You bury them with that. We're talking about a Calgary Flames team on a five-game winning streak talk, meeting up with the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. We are talking about a completely different situation. 
Uh, this is, I'll never understand how that was a hand pass by Coleman, but that one against Nashville a while ago, like so, we talked about, right? Uh, where he literally threw the puck over the net, wasn't a hand pass. Uh, our pal Shoops texting in saying, just like the offside challenge, I don't think some of the rules make the game better and they're not in the spirit of the game. Uh, Dave in the Northeast says, guys, the problem I have with it is the rules say the puck is directed or passed with a hand. This replay didn't look like that to me. I think they called it wrong. Uh, Matt in Calgary says, I thought the goalie interference and offside were the only plays you can challenge. If it's missed by the refs, should be game on. Please enlighten me. Thanks, Matt from Calgary. Well, Matt, they did change the rule uh, a couple of years ago to add in what they call missed stoppages in plays. It was originally uh, centered around pucks leaving the playing area, getting caught in the netting, yeah, and no one noticing that. Uh, and it led to a couple of goals, so... Uh, GMs and other teams around the league said, look, we have to have some way of going back to plays that you know, should have been stopped at some point and going back to that point and not letting these goals count. Um, as part of that, the, the hand pass is, is part of that rule as well. So it counts the same as the out of play. If it had hit the netting at some point and everybody missed it and it came back down on the ice and, and play continued, a coach does have the opportunity to challenge uh, and the NHL to review uh, said play to go back and, and make sure that they didn't miss uh, a play that should have been stopped. Uh, Matt and Cochran says, again, the Forsberg one, grabs the puck, Forsberg grabs the puck, tosses it over the net. Doesn't the act of him grabbing the puck uh, mean there should be a whistle? I've seen I'm the very replay. glad I brought up that play because I knew people were going to bring up that. Well, play. it's it's the it's the most even if it hadn't happened against the Flames, it's still the most relevant um, example of the conversation. And as I watch the replay, Matt, his hand stays open. Yeah, Forsberg the entire time, and he he makes a deliberate effort not to close his hand on the puck, but he keeps an open palm is the best way I can say it to you over the radio. And sort of tosses it towards in front of the net over Markstrom. Which is still a pass. And if that hits a Nashville player, I I think there's more of a case. There should be more of a case. But it's the fact that it goes over the net and lands in the blue paint. And Mackenzie Weger is the first stick to, 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 to touch the puck. I think that changes everything on that play. Uh, lots on the text line, and we'll get to uh, more of it as the afternoon goes on. But he is Julian McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. Uh, next up for the Calgary Flames, it is the Edmonton Oilers on Saturday. It's Hockey Night in Canada. It's also the 24th edition of Hockey Day in Canada. When you think of Canadian hockey, you definitely uh, think of this woman and all of her contributions to women's hockey. Cassie Campbell-Pascal is uh, one of the great representatives out in Victoria, B.C. this weekend, helping us celebrate the game we love in this country. She's going to join us next uh, to talk about Hockey Day in Canada, and we'll even dive into uh, what's next for Cassie as she said to join the PWHL as a special advisor going forward. Looking forward to chatting with Camby, Cassie Campbell-Pascal. She joins us when we return here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This Saturday... Sportsnet presents the 24th annual Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. Ron McLean going to host a 12-and-a-half-hour marathon broadcast featuring all seven Canadian teams in action, including the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Sportsnet and Scotiabank celebrating hockey for all through an in-depth feature and all-star cast of special guests. 
And one of them just so happens to be joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. No doubt when you think of Canadian hockey, this is one of the names that immediately pops up. Very happy to be joined this afternoon by Cassie Campbell-Pascal. Cassie, thank you for the time today. How are you? I'm good. Logan, Julian, how are you guys? We're doing really good. Appreciate you taking some time out to join us this afternoon. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Are you uh, you in Victoria already getting set for Hockey Day? Yeah, I, I've been here since Wednesday, and we've got the festivities going and banquets going and uh, Scotiabank branch visits and on-ice clinics, and we did some school visits this morning, so... It's uh, we're full on here and, and just getting geared up for Saturday, which is the big day. Yeah, it's uh, always one of the fun days on the calendar. And um, I love seeing all you guys out there. And you've got such a cool list of, of people that join you. I know you had a, a picture on Twitter with Lanny McDonald. We love Lanny, of course. And uh, it's just so cool to see everybody come together with Sportsnet and, and, and Scotiabank to make this such a big day. And to, as you mentioned, do so many different events and so many different stops over the couple of days to make this such a fun thing. Yeah, I think, you know, I think for me, Logan, uh, you know, our sport has kind of taken a hit over the last two years or so. And there, there's sort of been a lot of negative stories. And, and yeah. for me, getting an opportunity to, to do an event like this with Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada is just a reminder of how many great things there are about the game of hockey. And we need to celebrate those things. You know, we need to clean up a few things. There's no question about it. And we need to make it more accessible. But um I, I, you know, this reminds me of all the good in the game, the volunteers, the, the people behind the scenes who, who make the rinks work and, and the schedules work and, and the minor hockey associations work. And, um, and I think, you know, I, I came here from an ESPN game, LA at Dallas, and, you know, you're in these big NHL arenas, like we're fortunate to do. And you sometimes you, you forget about where you came from in the minor hockey associations. And then you come to an event like this and it just brings you all back to when you grew up playing. And, and I think for me personally, just the celebration of the good of the game. And, and there is still so much that's great about the game of hockey. Cassie, can you go into more detail about why it's important for days like today to go through and not just that, but to be in these remote communities across the country where it's not necessarily the big metropolitan areas, but these smaller communities where you really see hockey at its grassroots. Yeah. You know, what's really special for me, you guys, is that like I've been doing this for 18 years, Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada. I've been so fortunate to do it. And, but I, I've watched the evolution of our game. You know, when I first started, you know, there was a few girls sprinkled in here and there in the school visits that played and, I'd, you know, meet them in like a separate group. It'd be like, you know, five to 10 kids. And <laughs> and now when I come to these events, like all the girls are playing and it's totally acceptable as it should be. And, you know, today I'm just inundated with questions about the PWHL and it's exciting times for women's hockey where we're really celebrating a real monumental moment for our game. And, um, you know, that's the difference I get to notice year after years, 18 years now, you, you just see where our game has come and how many young girls are playing, whether we're in Victoria or Halifax or Newfoundland or, or Ontario or anywhere in Alberta, there's just so many more girls playing the game. And I think that's when I get a chance to reflect on, on doing these over the years, that that's something that stands out to me. I know you just mentioned how you get inundated with PWHL questions. I definitely have a few here. And where I want to start with you is, the accessibility. What are your thoughts on on the fact that, you know, we've seen women's hockey leagues come up before, but 
I don't know if we've ever seen it where you can go to Sportsnet or, or CBC or, or YouTube and watch all of these games. Like, how, how can you just describe like what that feeling is like to see this league be so available and so accessible to people on TV and other streaming platforms? You know, even for me, um, like Taylor Heisey, she's an American player, plays in Minnesota. I would see her only when she played for Team USA, and I cared about the game. And But that was really the only opportunity that I had a chance to see her, and now I'm getting a chance to see her with Minnesota, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't realize how good she was, you know? And um, and I was the one, you know, I'd be searching links to try and find women's games, and I, I think that's a real big thing for us. And, you know, I remember going to Sportsnet when I was working there and being like, hey, can you please put this game on? Like, <laughs> you know, can you please support women's hockey? And, and you know, to have them on board, I think, is so huge with CBC and TSN. I, I think it just shows you that, you know, to have the three major networks in our country supporting the game, they recognize it's a monumental moment. We need them as partners. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel as well, which has been extremely successful um, but we need television partners. We need it on TV so that we can get access to sponsors. And I think the numbers prove that our country wants to watch it. You know, our opening weekend, I think it was a combination of 2.9 million. And, you know, that's right up there with Hockey Night in Canada numbers. So, um, you know, I think there's an appetite for it now. I think they realize that. And uh, it's really important to keep those partnerships and to keep things growing because, we can't just have sort of an Olympics or a world championship and then those players go away. You just can't build momentum that way. And I think people just really want to watch the game now. And it's, it's such a good game. And, you know, everyone's talking about this physicality. Well, it's always been physical. We just have never been able to watch it before. So yeah, you know, true. now it's a point of emphasis. Holy smokes, this is a great game. Well, yeah, it's always been a great game, but we're getting a chance to watch it. And it's really important, and I can't thank all three networks for stepping up in a, in a short period of time to turn this around to to have it on their networks. It's it's crazy good. It's so much fun to see. And sort of to that point, I guess just just building off of what Julian asked you there, Cassie, when would you have ever gone back and thought that we're going to kick off a hockey day in Canada with a PWHL game like we will tomorrow? Like the first of this mega broadcast in hockey is a PWHL game with New York and Boston kicking things off. Like I'd have to imagine that as somebody that was as involved as you have been with women's hockey in our country over the years, that maybe even a couple of years ago, that would have seemed like a distant dream. And here it is being a reality tomorrow. Yeah. You know, it just shows where the game has come. I, I think the world has changed in a sense that when you're thinking about hockey, you're not just thinking about the men's game. You, you know, your your agenda now includes the women's game. It includes how do we make it more inclusive for, for all Canadians to play, whether they're new Canadians or they've been here for years. Um, you know, how do we make it more accessible? I think, I think people's agendas have changed when they're making decisions as corporations. Um, women's hockey is just not at the bottom of the agenda anymore like it was for so many years. It's now at the top, and they see um, the value of it. They see that it can bring numbers to their network, that it can bring sponsorship. Um, and I think it just can't be overlooked anymore. And I think as a society, we've just made, um, you know, I don't want to say the minority, but we've we've made it just where we have to start thinking outside the box and how we are more inclusive. And, um, and more groups because of that thinking are being included in our game and we need our game to grow in all areas. And uh, it's for me, I, I got to tell you guys like this whole PWHL thing to watch those players 
come out on that first weekend and be introduced in their home arenas and to know them and to see the emotion and to see what they fought for come to uh, fruition was so special for me as an old alumni because I know what it took to get there. And um, it's just been incredible. We're not going away. We're just going to continue to grow. And having a game on Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada, it's just helped for a success. It needs to be there. It's not just the right thing to do anymore. It, it's a it's a good business decision. And um, I'm really excited that Sportsnet included a game. Well, and Cassie, I know that you don't look at yourself this way, but just a quick comment on you being so happy to see that and knowing all that you've put into it. I just want you to know I speak for a lot of people. I know I speak for Julian and myself as well that the foundation of the PWHL and what we're seeing today is built on your shoulders and other women in your position, Jaina Heffer and so many of the other, you know, Haley Wickenheiser. Like we wouldn't be here and, and doing these sort of things without the effort and, and, and you know, time and you know consideration that you guys put into this. So I, I hope you understand that from a, a position as well. I hope that you know, people thank you for that sort of thing because as cool as that was, I think it's important to remember the times when it wasn't so easy and when there wasn't a lot of money going around for women's hockey. And that's sort of the generation that, that you built up with as well. So I hope you understand how much of this is built on shoulders like yours. Yeah, you know, I feel fortunate that that 2002 Olympic group, you know, it was an incredible group of women. And we had so many great pioneers that played before us too that don't nearly get the recognition that they deserve. And but you look at the veterans now that are playing in the league, the Brianne Jenners, the Mary Philippe Poulens, the Natalie Spooners, you know, the people that have helped fight for this PWHL, you know, they watched two thousand two as young kids and they thought, Okay, this is possible. You know, I can play hockey for real. I can go to the Olympics. I can play for Team Canada. And at that time you didn't think, Oh, I could play professional hockey and that's the most amazing thing to me is that, you know, if the generation before me didn't do their job and, and fight and, and push and, and play as well as they did, then maybe my generation wouldn't have started. And then if our generation wasn't there, then maybe this generation wouldn't have started. So, you know, along the way for many, many years, you know, 50 plus years, women's hockey, people have, have been passionate about it and pushed for it and loved playing the game. And, um, and now, you know, to see it come to this point and, and we need everyone's support. Like that that's a reality. We need every player's support, everyone's support. And that's the, the great mandate of, of working with the PWHL now is that whatever it takes, like I, I'm in. I'm I'm a, I'm a I wanna do whatever it takes to help make this successful. And and that comes from the players, it comes from the staff, it comes from the Billie Jean King group, it comes from the Mark Walters group. Um, you know, people believe in this and they they're doing everything that they can to support it and I think that's what makes this whole movement even more special is to know that generations even before me were a huge part of it and they can sit back and they can watch it on their couch and say, you know what, I was a part of this and and a small part of it, a big part of it, however you want to look at it. But everyone who's ever played the game or supported the women's game should feel that way when they turn on the TV and say, oh, there's the PWHL. I was a small part of it. And that's fantastic to me. Uh, Cassie, one more from me. Uh, we in this country know a lot about the bigger names, like the Matthew Philip Poulans and the Sarah Nurses, of course. And, and you mentioned Taylor Heisey earlier and, and, and how through this league you're able to to see her story unfold. For for those who have not tapped into the PWHL and maybe want to dip their toes and wade those waters, who are some other players, some other unknown faces that other hockey fans should get to know and can get to know when they watch the league? 
Yeah, I think, you know, I think of some of the U.S. players, you, you might be thinking like, what? Cassie, you know, <laughs> talking about the U.S. players, but what? I have so much respect for them. And I always have, you know, like the Hillary Knights, you're going to get a chance to see. And, you know, Kendall Quinn Schofield, who people see playing for Team USA, but was such a huge part of this whole push for the PWHL. And um, you get to see her on a regular basis. Megan Keller, a great defenseman for the U.S. that you know, doesn't get the recognition up here that she should. And, and I think she'll start to get that recognition because she's one of the best defensemen in the world. You know, you look at Blair Turnbull and uh, Renata Fast and Jocelyn LaRock, they play for Team Canada and, and what they're doing in Toronto, who I know they're struggling right now, but just, you know, for me, guys, it's just, they're all great ambassadors of the game. Like I watch them interact with the fans and they don't miss an autograph. They don't miss an opportunity to help promote the game. And, um, that makes me proud as an as an alumni. But honestly, like Lauren Gable just put up three points against Toronto, plays for Boston, and, you know, really trying to send a message that I want to play for Team Canada too, right? And right in front of the head coach of Team Canada and the general manager. And, um, you know, that's going to make it a little bit more difficult for Toronto when they play their games because everyone's going to be bringing their best, especially the Canadians. But um, there's just so much talent. Kareen Schroeder, you know, she she's the goaltender for New York. And, and I'll be honest with you. I didn't know much about her. Well, now I do. And she's been putting up incredible numbers and I'm in Victoria. So I have to say Mike is Andy Hart, who <laughs> is the captain of New York and going through a, just recovering from an injury, but um, another great ambassador for the game. And, and everyone here in Victoria just loves her. Like you mentioned her name and the claps and the cheers start to come. So, you know, everyone's done their job across uh, the, where they live and where they're from. And, and now I'm learning more and more about the U S players too. And, just how important they've been down there and, and supporting the game and, and, and moving it forward. So there's so many stars. Like that's the thing about this league is it's not just the Canadian U S players. Like there's so many other players that play and, and everyone's a star in their own right. And, and they're getting an opportunity to shine. Cassie Campbell Pascal along with us this afternoon, getting set for the 24th edition of hockey day in Canada on Saturday from Victoria, BC, uh, give us maybe a little bit behind the scenes. What's tomorrow look like for you, Cassie? I mentioned it's a, a mega broadcast throughout the day, 12 and a half hours uh, of hockey leading us into the Flames and the Oilers in the evening. What uh, What's on the to-do list for you tomorrow? Yeah, it's, you know, bright and early we're up. And I, I think from a broadcast perspective, uh, I'm doing a hit with Brian Burke at some point tomorrow. I think it's before lunchtime local. And uh, he is the head of the... PWHLPA and, and I'm going to represent the PWHL and we're, we're going to get an opportunity to sort of talk some stories and he's been a big supporter of our game and we've got clinics going on and school visits a uh, Scotiabank Girls Hockey Fest is going on where the where the um, Victoria team plays so we'll be there and and then I'll be honest with you I actually do get to go home tomorrow night so uh, <laughs> I've been here since Wednesday and I'm I, I'm going to sneak out late on Saturday night to get home and be with my family which is obviously extremely important so um, but it's it's been a fun few days. Saturday's the greatest. Like, if you get a chance to put it on, there's going to be so many stories told about the great places in this country and the great people in our country who've helped the game. And um, that's what I love the most is just the celebration of all the good things that are happening. And uh, as you move into a new role with uh, the PWHL, we lose you uh, here at Sportsnet, and you've had a great broadcasting career that you stepped into almost immediately since you retired from hockey. Uh, just looking back on your time in, in broadcasting, what are you going to remember the most, Cassie? You know, I think for me, when I started almost 20 years ago, you know, women didn't get the opportunity to 
you know, be in the booth. And, um, and I, I was able to do that on my second day on the job and, you know, just uh, the people, I, I think, you know, working with CBC and then Sportsnet and, and being part of hockey night for so long, the people are amazing and the crew, the behind the scenes people, I, I think those are the memories I'll, I'll have. You know, my last night with Sportsnet uh, was in December and Tessa Bonham, who's a teammate of mine and a good friend of mine, you know, she threw me a surprise party at my hotel. I had no idea. And all the crew were there, all the people that I'd worked with there, friends that I grew up with. And that was special to me. Like the people is who I'll remember and all the players and the, the general managers and the NHL people who supported me right from, from the get go. Like I'll always have those memories. The the interviews that the players used to give me, they're like, don't worry, Kath, I'm going to give you a really good answer. <laughs> I'm, I'm so thankful. I never really got the pucks in deep kind of thing. And, um, you know, it, it's just been a great ride and a ride that I never thought as a woman in particular, I'd ever go on. And, you know, I'm still going to dabble in it. I'm still going to stay with ESPN and, and I only do like 15 to 20 games for them a year. So it, it kind of works out perfectly for my schedule. And, and I'm, you guys, I'm really looking forward to it. I've been on the job now for two months with the PWHL. It's, it's where my passion lies. I'm just so excited to be a small part of it. And, um, but it's been a great ride at Sportsnet and CBC and, and being part of Hockey Night for so long. And it's been a, a real honor and a, a real treat for sure. You can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about the PWHL, by the way. And uh, that's so awesome. I know you touched on it quickly with Julian, but uh, before we let you go, where do you want to focus your, your attention when you – uh, get into this more with the PWHL as a special advisor. Do you have a, a certain area that you'd like to, to focus on, or are you just going to ride the wave and go wherever they want you to go? You know, that that's the thing. Like, Jane Hefford is my former teammate, and she's my boss. And, and I <laughs> whatever you need me to do. And right now, you know, I've been helping. I helped establish a, a discipline committee and a review process, and, and that was sort of my first in, initial thing. So we have a great group that's in charge of all that. And, um, you know, I've been helping out with sponsorship wherever possible, sending contacts to the sponsorship people, you know, helping set up connections in New York. We're, we we are struggling a little bit with our tickle, ticket sales in New York, so we're just trying to figure out why and how and how can we promote it a little bit better there and um, anything like that, you know, just helping. I've I've spoken to every single department. How can I help? Here's the things I can do. Just reach out and ask me stuff. So I I love it in the sense that I'm not just doing hockey ops. I'm kind of doing the business side of it too and, and getting an opportunity to learn. And um, and again, it's whatever it takes. And, and I think that's been the mantra of all the staff. And, and I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be at the all-star game uh, coaching one of the teams and doing some stuff around that. So um, we're, we're also working on our broadcast and, and trying to make, you know, the intermissions as best as we can. So I'll be doing some features and, and slowly doing that and, um, just whatever it takes, you know, I, I'm just excited to be part of it and to help it grow and, and to help it be sustainable. And, and, uh, and I can do most of it from home, which is essential for me with my 13 year old daughter. And of course my husband works for the flames, so he's yeah. busy and I think it's going to be better for, for all of us. Uh, Cassie, thanks so much for the time today. We really do appreciate it and appreciate you, uh, having some really candid conversations with us around your future and the PWHL, uh, thanks for everything you did here at Sportsnet. You've been so great to us here uh, at 960 with your time and your, your insights. We really appreciate it and really mean this. Best of luck with the PWHL. If we can help out in any way, we'd, we'd love to be there for you guys and uh, hope you have a really great uh, Hockey Day in Canada tomorrow in Victoria. 
Well, thanks, Logan, and thanks, Julian. And you guys know I'll be reaching out and asking for help. So, <laughs> you got it. So be you got prepared, it. and uh, all the best, and have a great day, and enjoy the show tomorrow. Take care, Cassie. Thanks again. Cheers. Cassie Campbell-Pascal joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline now, special advisor for the PWHL as she puts her time broadcasting with Sportsnet behind her. Still going to be doing some with ESPN down in the, the U.S., Julian, but – uh, focusing, and you could tell in that conversation yeah. where her passion lies and where she wants to be focusing her focusing her energy right now, and that's on the PWHL. Makes perfect sense, right? We're talking about one of the most iconic players uh, to play the sport of hockey, let alone women's hockey, and for her to be a part of a league that seems like it's off to a strong start, start with the records they've been setting for attendance, the quality of the games, the different quirks in its rules compared to what the NHL is like. And I also love the fact that, you know, there was a, there was a time when if you were trying to watch the best players in the world on the women's side, you were you were divvying up your time between the Canadian Women's Hockey League and the National Women's Hockey League, later turning into the PHF. And now you have one league. It's all centralized and all these players are there. And I love the fact that Cassie spent that time uh, hyping up some other players, especially for, even if they were coming from the American side, which, you know, us in, in Canada, we like to get patriotic. <laughs> of course. With hockey, of course. But yeah, uh, a lot of great players on both sides of the border. And there are players out in Europe, too, who are also looking to stand out and, and, and do their thing in the league as well. So I, I think it's it's a great time to get into women's hockey and and. While there were people who were trying to be haters about it and looking at the branding, and I can't wait to see how that changes. I don't know if this league could have started any better. And again, the fact that this league is so accessible, you can watch it on a on a CBC, on Sportsnet, on TSN, on YouTube. You can I like a couple weeks ago, I went to a bar, I went to St. James. Uh, I believe that's uh, Aaron Vickers' favorite haunt. Uh, we go there, and the game is just on. There's yep. like a Montreal Ottawa game on. I'm like this is how this should be. You should be able to just go out wherever and a PWHL game is on, and that's just the norm. And this league is doing its part to instill itself as part of the Canadian hockey culture, rather the national hockey culture uh, that goes for the States too, where it's not a surprise to see women's hockey up on a TV screen or, or on a YouTube stream or whatever. It's the norm. It's what it should be. Absolutely. Yeah, and with people like Cassie and Brian Burke, Jaina Heffer, Billie Jean King, people that are really passionate. There's a lot of good this. people on that on behind that man. And that's, I mean, it's. I don't know how you could fail with those guys putting their weight behind it and the passion that you heard from Cassie and Brian Burke has that passion and mm-hmm. Jaina Heffer has that passion. I, I just I, that's a winning team in my books, and you're right. The PWHL has been off to a great start, and um, it's only going to get better with you know someone like Cassie going you know, full bore as a special advisor for them. So you can catch Cassie Campbell Pascal tomorrow as part of hockey day in Canada. Uh, you want to join the conversation, make sure you use the hashtag hockey day. It all gets going at uh, 1030 Calgary time, PWHL, New York versus Boston on Sportsnet 360. You've got the jets and the sins coming your way. Leafs Canucks. How about that one on the West That's coast? That's going to be quite a matchup. Uh, original six matchup between the Bruins and the Habs as well. And it all ends off with a Battle of Alberta, the first one in Calgary in almost a year's time, a year plus since the Oilers have been to Calgary. 8 o'clock start, 7 o'clock warm-up right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan is part of Hockey Day in Canada on Saturday. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Hour 2 coming up next. It's Logan and Julian along with you on a Friday. 
here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.